Welcome everyone to today's devotion. I know we're getting started early, but it'll work better with, with my schedule today. Uh, we are in John chapter 4. Um, another passage I think people will be familiar with is the uh, woman at the well. There's also the second sign of the healing at Cana uh, at, at the end. But obviously the woman at the well is the more prominent uh, and the more recognizable um, story of, of this chapter. Now remember that there's four main themes throughout the Gospel of John. It's uh, Logos, Life, Light, and Lamb. And throughout the narrative, we, we, we see uh, these four showing up. Um, and uh, sometimes they're subtle, sometimes they're, they're more obvious. So, um, for example, uh, in uh, chapter 4, we see uh, the use of daytime. Uh, we saw this chapter 3, daytime. So uh, Jesus meets the woman at the well at the sixth hour, which is noon. Uh, he heals the boy at the seventh hour, which is 1 p.m. So um, we see it's it's at the brightest part of the day. I also think there's a connection between six and seven with, with new creation and whatnot. But there's also the hope of new life. Uh, so because Jesus is Messiah, Logos, uh, he comes to bring life. So these themes are weaved throughout the narrative and really throughout the rest of the book. So it begins here. Uh, we'll skip down to verse 5. Jesus comes to a town in Samaria called Sychar, or Sychar rather. Um, and uh, Jesus was wearied as he was from his journey and was sitting by the well. It was the sixth hour. Now, um, Jesus has been in Galilee. So in chapter Two, he was in Cana, whatnot. Uh, chapter three, he was in, uh, um, or chapter two, he was in Cana, and then he was in uh, Jerusalem. So we see this trip back and forth each year. He's having travel from Galilee down to Jerusalem for the Passover. But here he is in Samaria, and as the text tells us there uh, in verse, uh, the end of verse nine, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans because uh, the woman says Jesus requests something to drink. She says. Uh, why are you asking me for a drink? You're a Jew, I'm Samaritan. We're not supposed to have anything to do, do with each other. So obviously there is um, an ethnic issue going on here. Now for those who don't know, the Samaritans, uh, the Samaria is between Galilee to the north and Judea to the south. Samaria is right in the middle. And what happened was during the Babylonian captivity, um, the uh, Samaritans interbred with the Gentiles. And thus, by the time of Jesus' generation, the Samaritans were viewed as half-breeds. And so they set up their own um, uh, place of worship, if you will, uh, really, a temple. And they believe that, that God comes down and dwells with them at Mount Gerizim. Whereas the Jews believe, no, it's in Jerusalem. Uh, and so this was a, a debate. It was a religious debate, but it was also an ethnic debate. Um, that they viewed each other as less than simply by their racial heritage. Now, we do the same thing still today, don't we? Uh, both the left and the right do this, that we view your character, your value, uh, your worth simply by your ethnic heritage or by your ancestry, whatever it, it, it might be. Well, uh, so Jesus says, give me a drink. And she says, you know, I don't understand what's going on here. This ain't the way it's supposed to, to go. And Jesus answered, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Um, now, notice what Jesus is doing here. He is taking a physical example and, and using it as a metaphor for spiritual truth. 
He did the same thing with Nicodemus. Uh, you must be born again. It doesn't mean that physically, literally. He means it spiritually. Same is true here. Um, in fact, she, she says um, there in verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Right. Later, she will. Um, Jesus will respond, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now, there's a lot of people who want to point out the woman is at the well when she is because she's not only a Samaritan, but she's an outcast among the Samaritans. Women usually drew water in groups um, early in the morning, the sixth or seventh hour, uh, as the sun was rising. It was cooler part of the day. She comes at the hottest part of the day, around noon, um, likely because she's an outcast. And we discover, as the story goes out, she's an outcast mostly because of um, her relationship. She she's had five husbands. She's living with another man, so on and and so forth. But you'll see here that. Um, she confuses the spiritual with the physical. Give me this water you speak of, because I don't have to come out here the hottest part of the day and get water. Right? This is one thing off my, my to-do list that I won't have to worry about. Um, but that's not Jesus' point. Uh, Jesus says, look, you're always going to have to come to this well. But, but there is no salvation here. There is no hope here. Look, what I will give you is living water. If we had time, and I've done this in other contexts, and maybe we'll do this when we get to the crucifixion of Jesus in John's Gospel, I don't know. Uh, there is a theme of water and uh, uh, thirst, uh, thirsting in, in John's Gospel. It climaxes in the cross. So um, this is a good example. Uh, John the Baptist uses some language that is striking. Um, there, there, there's a, he mentions it again in John 6, um, those who hunger and thirst come out to me. Uh, but ultimately, it's in John's Gospel where Jesus says, I thirst, right? one of his seven last saints. And I think that that is the climax of this theme, in that Jesus takes our thirst, our sin, our appetites upon him, so that we do not need to thirst. It's essentially what he's doing here. He's saying, look, look, you are going to give me water that I'm just going to be thirsty again later on. But I want to offer you something far greater. So Jesus is a true and better living well. Her hope was in a well established by her ancestor. Why? Because religion is all about ancestry. Again, that's true on the left and right, secular and traditional religions. But Jesus offers something far better. Um, give me this living water. Well, Jesus then, to show that he's not talking about the physical but the spiritual, then addresses her sin. Go call your husband, he says. And she says, look, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, yeah, you're right. Uh, you, you, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't your, your husband, right? And immediately she perceives that they're not talking about water. They're talking about um, uh, spiritual health. So again, notice that we have the theme of light. So Jesus is illuminating. He's exposing her. At the same time, it's in the context of life. He who drinks from the water I give them will have eternal life. And her response at the end of verse 24 is, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. That's the standard. Uh, the Messiah will be Logos because he will know all things. He will tell us all things. And what does Jesus say? I who speak to you am he. I'm the Messiah. 
So within this narrative, we've, we've got life, light, and logos. Um, and so she, she realizes this man is Messiah. She goes and tells everyone about it. Verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him. So the disciples have been gone. They've been going to the grocery store. They, they've been stuck in drive through um, And uh, they finally make it back with some food. And they say, Rabbi, eat. But Jesus says to the disciples, I have food to eat you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? So again, it's the same problem with the woman at the well. Uh, is that they confuse a spiritual point with a physical reality. So when Jesus says, I've got food elsewhere, you know, that, that they, to deal with, they think, oh, well, someone's already fed them. Who's already fed them, right? Uh, that's, that's our job, you know, don't be getting in our business. Um, but Jesus is speaking something else. So in chapter 4, he'll do the same thing in chapter 6 with the feeding the 5,000. He uses the appetites the metaphor of what we hunger and what we thirst for as metaphor for um, our deep spiritual needs. And the truth is all of us are hungering and thirsting for something. In the middle of, of uh, an election cycle, we, we see that every moment of our lives in front of the television screen. The people put all their hope and trust, they're hungering and thirsting for, for something they think a politician or a system or a party or a plan or a committee or whatever can, can give them. We've been talking a lot in our study of Ecclesiastes Sunday night how, how uh, we, we pursue escapism as answers, we pursue worship as answers, and, and uh, we are hungering and thirsting for something. It's the appetites, a theme found throughout the Bible. And what Jesus says here is that those who come to him will never thirst or hunger again. You will find true contentment and satisfaction in him. Why? Because he is the logos, he is the life, he is the light, he is the lamb. Um, well, uh, go down to verse 46. We see the second narrative of this chapter. I want to look at it briefly. Uh, Jesus came again to Canaan and Galilee where he had made water the wine. That, can, that hyperlinks to chapter 2. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And it says there at the end of verse 47, um, Come down and heal my son, for he was at the point of death. So remember, chapter 1 sets everything up. Uh, logos, life, light, lamb. So if Jesus is the life, and he's confronted with one who is on the brink of death, the answer is is Jesus, who is, who is life, will come and, and bring life to, to the boy. So Jesus says, go, your son will live. The man believed that word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So notice, uh, Christ comes to give life. And then we also discover it's in the seventh hour, so it's at the brightest part of the day. Um, there's light. In verse 54, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So this is the second of seven major signs in the Gospel of, of John. So uh, what do we do with this story? Well, it is to emphasize who this Jesus is. The one who gives water and bread to the hungry and thirsty is the one who, who gives life. This is Jesus, the Messiah. And again, this, this will be re-emphasized uh, re in chapter 6. So, um, that's chapter 4. Lord willing, we'll see you guys here tomorrow. We'll look at chapter 5.